Small businesses have the opportunity to learn from professionals and from each other. And bringing those perspectives together is an important part of Inside the Vault. Enterprise Bank's new podcast series. What we specifically want to talk about in this episode is the restaurant and food service industry, which has you know, been severely impacted, even more so than most other small business industries by the current COVID-19 pandemic. So what we want to do is get some perspectives from a couple of different viewpoints. One from a successful multi-restaurant owner and and one from Chuck Lai, our president here at Enterprise Bank, who has a pretty good pulse for the small business community and and the restaurants that, that we lend to or that we have in our portfolio. So we're sitting down today with um, uh, Justin Severino, uh, one of our uh, longtime bank customers at this point, um, and the owner of uh, two unique uh, businesses in the restaurant food service segment, uh, one being uh, Morcia, which is a tapas-style uh, restaurant, sit-down primarily, and we'll talk about that. And the other being Salty Pork Bits, which is a, uh, a charcuterie business um, that has kind of evolved into being pretty much an online business at this point because of some of the circumstances we're going to talk about today. So as I understand it right now, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, as we sit here today, venues like yours that are doing indoor dining are limited to 50%, no alcohol after 10 p.m., no bar service, right? And if there's indoor uh, alcohol served to your indoor dining customers, it has to be with a meal. Yes. All right. Anything I missed there? No, that's about it. Okay. So what I really want to focus on in this discussion with you today is your thoughts being in the business, both pre-pandemic and now almost a year into kind of the restrictions, um, as to you know what was done right. And what was done wrong in terms of how leadership treated the restaurant industry? Um, I think we can all agree the first you know first couple of months this was all a total unknown to yeah. everybody, and you have to balance. We needed to not do anything yeah. to figure it out. Yeah, right? so we needed to balance public health with what semblance of um, small business um, operations to sustain those businesses. Yeah. So you know, what do you think about well, the initial? I think maybe a good starting point would be to maybe I can give you our time, what we did yeah, in that perfect, same timeline perfect. timeline that you just explained. So we actually closed the business uh, a couple of days before the governor closed us um, down. And at that point, we had two other restaurants. You know, uh, we had, uh, well, my, my, first and, um, my first restaurant that I opened was called Cure. It was, sure. uh, and it was wildly successful for us. Um, and we closed the restaurant and changed its concept from a full-service restaurant to a private event space about a year before COVID happened. Um, and we also had a restaurant inside of East End Brewery called Larder, mm-hmm. right? So right. we had Morcia, Cure, Larder, and then we had, um, you know, at that point, Salty Pork Bits was a segment or a department of Morcia, mm-hmm. uh, and it was only uh, a salami subscription program that we ship directly to your home. We did a little retail pop-up during the holidays that right. year. Um, but, you know, we closed uh, all of our restaurants a couple of days before the governor closed us. 
My wife was following coronavirus, um, I think, before anyone that I knew was even aware of it. So we had a meeting with our staff at Marcia uh, about a week before we closed, just to kind of take the temperature of our staff, right? Right. And I think that's a really important part of this conversation that we're not including in it. You know, so let me just take a couple steps back, right? Sure. We, we closed. Um, and by the way, Marcia was taken off like a rocket at that oh, point. Mar- right? Marcia is an animal. Yeah. We've, that restaurant has operated at 100% capacity since the day it opened. Right. At the beginning of this thing, I really, none of us knew what to think. Right. And so we just needed to know how everybody was feeling about it. And our staff has been so behind us, you know, and they know how detrimental this is to my wife and I. Like at the end of the day, you know, I mean, for whatever it's worth, you know, my, my whole livelihood is on the line here. You know, if I, yeah. if I fail to the greatest degree, I, I lose the home I live in. And they all know that. So, mm-hmm. you know, so when we made the, sacri- the, the choice to stay closed, because we didn't, we, when, we, when we first closed, we did nothing, right, for three months. But what we did do, luckily, was we were able to um, push salty pork bits, right? So our concept or our plan for salty pork bits hasn't changed. We were just put in a position where we had to accelerate that process, right? We didn't, and here's, you know, the hard part about that is like in in a normal world, I could get funding to do all the things that the business needs to grow. But now, like, I'm not even asking, like, because it's not available. So, you know... It, it made us really kind of appreciate our ability to hustle. Like, that's how I opened Cure Restaurant. No one would loan me a dollar. Mm-hmm. I refied my house. I sold a car. I borrowed some money from my dad. And and then every dollar that I made uh, after we opened, I put right back into the business until it became exactly what I wanted it to be. And, you know, we've had some really great years since then. And mm-hmm. um, I don't want to say I forgot that I was how capable... I am or we are of, of the hustle, yeah. but I immediately remembered that I'm, it's something I, I can do and um, thank God, because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's very rewarding too, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't, you know, in a perfect world, I wish I wasn't having to do what I have to, I'm doing right now, but right. it's also incredibly rewarding. Yeah. So, and I'm not speaking as concerned as the restaurant industry, but what I saw from my seat lending to small businesses every day, it's still too early to see this with COVID, but what I saw in the Great Recession, which was 12 years ago mm-hmm. now, was a lot of businesses innovated yeah. and cut fat and learned, because of a shock to their system, how to operate more efficiently. Do you see that coming oh, out of so you're talking about pivoting, yeah. reinventing. Or right? being more efficient. Being more efficient, all right. those things, 100%. Like, the being more efficient thing is a necessity, right? At some point, you just see it, and I have no other option, right? Because I need to stay open. So I need to, what's the first thing that goes, right? To the second, to the third, to the fourth, right? Hopefully, you don't have to get to the tenth, which yeah. is... Um, but the other part of it, which you mentioned about the reinventing, the pivoting thing, like, I 100% agree, but... The part of that that is hard to, to swallow for a restaurateur is that costs money, right? So I don't care how successful you are as a restaurateur, unless you have like unlimited funds or a bunch of like investors that need to lose money behind mm-hmm. you, which I don't, and I don't yeah. know, like those restaurants do exist, but like when I say like, and I'm not talking about a chain restaurant, but I'm talking about a mom and pop, which I am, mm-hmm. and all of my friends that own restaurants are, 
I don't care how successful your restaurant is, you shut me down and I can stay open for like two months. How can you expect me to pivot? How can you expect me to reinvent myself when I have no resources? All the resources that I had that every restaurateur like me had vanished. Yeah. 100, and I understand it. Why would a bank loan me money for my restaurant right now? I'm not even going to ask. Yeah. I've talked to my, but on the other hand, like, why would I borrow more money? Yeah. Right? I wrote a business plan. Right? I submitted it to this bank. Yeah. You guys approved it. We proved that business plan to work. You sure did. Right? <laughs> That's the hardest part. Okay, and I know this is out of your control, but then the government is going to tell the bank, I need that money from that guy. And at what point do we say, hey, but that, that guy wrote a business plan. He proved it to work. That's, that same business plan says that he can't pay you that. Yeah. It's just this so unrealistic. You know, we have earned everything. Every opportunity that we have had, we've created for ourselves, and we've earned it, and we deserve it. But then this happens, yeah. which is totally out of our control, right. and we are the ones holding the ball. With all that being said, you know, the other way that we're being made to feel in terms of like uh, regulations and like mm -hmm. how the government is, I, I feel like the government is putting literally public health in my hands. It's a good point. Right, because Very the government point. is saying, yeah. I'm not going to bail you out. I'm going to give you an opportunity to operate at, on a level that you'll lose less money. <laughs> yeah. Because that 50% thing really only means like 35%. Right. Because stringing me along for another eight months puts me out of business. Because you're just going to Because I'm going to lose, to lose. I'm gonna lose right. a couple thousand dollars at best. I'm going to lose five to $10,000 a month. And where do you think that's coming from? It's already so been ten months. Whether you bleed months. out slowly or they cut your throat. <laughs> well, yeah. well and here's the other thing: yeah. you want to loan me more money, but right. I know, I know that loaning more, me more money, you're going to loan me more money so that I could just exist yes. without profiting. Right. So loaning me more money, which creates more debt for the future, just puts me out of business in the future. Also, what does our economy look like in the future? Can you tell me that? I'm not confident that it's going to look great. Right. I what mean, do you think of PPP? You mentioned it once. Well, you know, the first one was hard because any, I'm, I'm way more optimistic about this new PPP than I was the first PPP, right? Because realistically, the way that I felt about the first PPP was, this is just the government getting me to bail out unemployment, right? Yeah. They want me to pay my employee. Keep the numbers of unemployment. So that yeah. they don't have to bail out unemployment. And I think, you know, I don't think that's a burden that the small business person should have to yeah take on because I mean, I'm guessing you know you're either shut down restricted or just you know obviously the fear in the marketplace is there it's just paying people that really can't be productive in your business operation right yeah I mean in the first time around like we didn't we didn't do that you know we kept everybody at home because yeah. we knew that they were making more money at home and we thought that was the best thing for them you know right. And I, 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 and here the crazy thing is for me, COVID happens to me. I have to close two businesses, right? That, that, and then I have this third restaurant that's losing money. Luckily, I have salty pork bits that's making up for it a little bit. But I can't, I, I can't collect unemployment. I give myself a paycheck. I've been yeah. paying in unemployment my entire life. Right. I've never collected once. But then a pandemic happens, and I get refused employment or unemployment. I get it, I'm a business owner, but like, right. I can't pay myself. Yeah. So for how long 
can I not pay myself? And I still haven't paid myself. You know, luckily we have great partners like Enterprise Bank that, I mean, I, I, I couldn't be happier with our relationship. You know, you guys have made it so that we can still be in that space. Luckily, you know, my mortgage company at my home has worked with me. Luckily, I've been able to defer my car payments. But where do you think my money is? How do you think I'm putting food on my table? If my only source of income is the restaurants that I own, like, tell me. Tell me, government. Yeah. How am I supposed to pay an, a crazy amount of money for health insurance every month for my wife, myself, and my daughter? Where is that coming from? You know, and those are the things that really start to eat away at me. Right. So the one thing I'm interested in your take on is, you know, what this means long term for the restaurant industry. Because, you know, I've, I've read some different studies about psychology of consumer behavior and, you know, yeah. there's some indications that if you change somebody's behavior patterns for six months, it takes years for them to return to their normal. Well, I will patterns. use myself as an example yeah. in this, right? Like, I, I open restaurants and run restaurants because I love restaurants. Yeah. Previous to COVID, we were living in a world where I benefited from these people that didn't cook for themselves. You know, like, we would see people sit at the bar and, you know, a couple times a week. We knew what they wanted to eat. We knew what they wanted to drink. Before I let you go, Justin, I greatly appreciate the insight today. Thank you. Um, can you let our listeners know how they can uh, access yeah. salty pork bits and what your current uh, environment is and opening of uh, Morcia? Yeah, we are offering uh, meal kits and uh, takeout food at Morcia Restaurant. Um, you can order it all online or you can call the restaurant and go to Morcia morcia.com um, I think you'll be pleased uh, we are very focused on, on that food that you take home being very functional for eating it at home salty pork bits uh, we have a pretty huge retail menu online we do um, salami subscriptions uh, we and then we also do uh, curbside retail pickup on Fridays and Saturdays um, so yeah go to saltyporkbits.com and check that out well now that we've heard from justin severino you know an industry insider in the restaurant industry uh, as, as concerns his perspectives being in um, the midst of these restrictions day to day we also want to get that perspective that i mentioned previously from an individual who has a pretty good understanding of where uh, the restaurants that our bank here at Enterprise works with on a regular basis. And that's Chuck Lai, our president and CEO. So, Chuck, uh, welcome to the first episode of Inside the Vault. I'm glad to see that you uh, dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> uh, today, I'm supposed to be on my uh, annual ski trip which we canceled because of COVID. So uh, I got my Breckenridge shirt on and I'm supposed to be on vacation today. So this is as close as it's gonna get. No suit but, and tie, huh? Well, as you know, we, we don't always do suit and tie anymore. People work hard here. And so in my mind, if you work hard, you should be comfortable when you're in that process. So if a suit and tie makes you feel comfortable, that's fine. And if blue jeans and a, and a shirt makes you feel fine, that's okay yeah. too. And our customers <laughs> like the casual approach, I think. Well, that's the way most people are anymore, uh, other than the dry cleaners who wish everybody was still formal all the way around. <laughs> <laughs>
So Chuck, what, what I'd really like to talk to you about today is, um, you know, your, your opinion um, based on interactions you've had with, with clients uh, and others in, this, in the restaurant or industry um, during this pandemic. Um, generically, I evaluate leadership um, based upon uh, philosophy, and that ties into uh, leadership can either be self-centered or leadership can have a team approach. Um, obviously self-centered, you're thinking about yourself. A team approach, you're thinking about the other people that your decisions affect or your actions affect. Um, in the context of how leadership reacted to the restaurant industry, um, you know, early on in March and April, uh, this pandemic, we were in uncharted territory. Uh, people didn't know the facts, there wasn't enough science, there was a lot of speculation, and so the decision to shut down was harsh, and it hurt some people, uh, but there was a fear and there was a lack of knowledge, and so I don't think you can uh, critique anybody for that because they were trying to do what was best for everybody. Probably a necessary evil, initially. Yeah. However, when you had the second flare-up and reactions in July, uh, you had reactions um, after the holidays where you had shutdowns again, and that those are the second, the third time. You can look, a, a good leadership looks back at the decisions made and evaluates what they've done and improves uh, their decisions, their actions to get a better outcome. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a complete lack of that taking place in the uh, uh, subsequent decision making that took place. Um, the decisions were very self-motivated, clearly. Um, good examples of that would be like in the December shutdown uh, you actually had the newspapers in Erie uh, break a story that a shutdown was coming. And then as soon as that broke, leadership came in and said, no, 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 we'll have an announcement at the end of the week. Don't listen to any of those things. Yeah. Well, the truth of the matter, if you have empathy for the restaurant industry, you understand there's perishable here. So when they go out and buy inventory, it doesn't last for three weeks or six weeks if you shut down. It lasts for two or three days. If you have some advance notice, you don't expend all that money. Both wholesalers don't bring product in, and, and, and neither do the retailers. On the other hand, if you're told the day before you have to shut down that you shut down, you've already, you, made, those you, you've already yeah. made those orders, you've wasted thousands of dollars, and you've made the harm that they go through double and triple. That's just self-centered actions. And you knew you were thinking about it or that story wouldn't have leaked, yet you stopped it and you did what you did. It is a very selfish example of where people did not learn their lessons. And again, we always are in this country from a leadership perspective, especially in the state, we blame other people. You know, you listen to the state blame the feds, feds and the feds blame the state. The truth is, Neither one's thinking about the other one. You know, in our state, it's atrocious the way we're putting out vaccines. Uh, a week ago, I think we were rated 
five as far as the fifth state that had the fifth most, most deliveries. Yeah. And we were 43rd in putting it in somebody's arm. And yet, instead of taking responsibility that you have screwed up your system, <laughs> all as I hear is the federal government hasn't yeah. given me enough. And, and that's probably true, mm -hmm. but you're not doing your job. Push it. My 90-year-old yeah. mother cannot find a list to get a shot, and yet I'm seeing 30-year-olds get shots. This is just wrong. You don't blame somebody else for your own mistakes. You take responsibility, you learn from your mistakes, and you move on. Whether we're talking federal, state, Democrat, Republican, neither group leads right now in this tough time the way it's supposed to be, and they all should be ashamed of the way they've acted. Chuck, let's talk about those, those three little letters that have dominated our, our world in banking uh, in the last 10, 11 months, PPP. Here we have businesses that are being shut down, and we formulated a plan to stand behind those businesses that we shut down as a government. Um, I, I, that's impressive to me. That, that's something where people have put together a thought that they really come together as a team concept. In and very short order. One another. Yeah. Very little time, very little warning. Um, so from my perspective, that, that's impressive as to what leadership did what, what in do the you, context of that. What do you think about how the program was structured and how it was implemented? Well, obviously it, it, it could have been implemented in a, in a better way, but it, there was such short time and such short notice. I've heard a lot of people complain, and for, for good reasons, that there were challenges for us to work in that program and, and our uh, clients to, to, to get revenue and help in that program. But all in all, when you consider the lack of time and how fast it came out and what we did, I, I think the first round people worked really hard and it was a great idea. Now, where I have some reservations is in, in some of the design, especially after the second first draw. round. The second draw. Yeah, because yeah. in the first round, we were not only were the a lot of businesses harmed that are that have continued to be harmed, like the restaurant industry and whatever. But in many states, everybody that was non-essential got shut down. So this program was wide. And it was encompassing, and it, it, it worked the way you would, you would hope that it should. Now, with anything in leadership, when you do it the second time or the third time, you need to learn from your mistakes. And, uh, and of course, there had to be mistakes putting it in so fast with such a short sure. period of time. Um, what we've done in the second round is now we're helping people that don't need help because of uh, not the best design. And the people that really do need the help are not getting the sufficient amount of the, of the aid to really help them the way they should be helped. We have industries that the way they've done this calculation where it's a 25% reduction in a quarterly revenue stream well, almost everybody got hit in the second quarter because that's when all these shutdowns were going on. And we already did a, a, a round of aid to help for that quarter. 
Now, really what this aid should be designed is to be helping people that had a rough time in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. Or still, today. Well, we have clients that were, quote, helping, that in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, they had the most profitable quarters they've ever had because of the pent-up demand from being shut down in the second. And when you look at the year, they've had the best year ever on their books. And then their restaurants, who need the aid, who have gone through hell for nine months now, they're getting like one-half, one-third of what they really need to keep themselves above water. Now, that's selfishness, and it's, there you get, all the selfish interests come together. Instead of designing and modifying what's being done to, to be better, the selfishness comes in place, and now people are getting benefits that don't deserve it. And I, I fail to understand with any any little bit of common sense how these tests can be put in this way where you really made a mistake and missed a boat. This is selfishness and lobbying coming in to do things that are just totally inappropriate. I think I think government's been approaching it as if there's a recession going on in every segment of business and it's really not. There's yeah. there's like everything, winners and losers. There's been some big winners. Um, uh, my 90-year-old mother who's on Social Security. Financially, my father, everybody's taking care of her. She gets a check. She gets aid. She personally looked at this and said, this is wrong. Now my great-grandchildren have to pay this back someday for me getting something that I don't need. I haven't been hurt by COVID. It's wrong. Now, you can design things like that. When we, a lot of our restaurateurs, when they were calling people back, People, to some extent, and a lot of the industry, didn't want to, they weren't coming back because they were making more money on unemployment than they were working. Well, that motivates you not to come back to work. That doesn't make any common sense whatsoever unless you just think uh, we can all stay at home, be socialist, and all get money for doing nothing. Uh, that just doesn't make any sense. You think it's buying votes? Oh, absolutely it's buying votes. And, it's, and, and, and when, somebody, when somebody comes here and says, well, there, it's a recession all across and we need to get money out to, to have them jumpstart the recession, well, then the savings rate, <laughs> yeah. the savings rate when we went into this was at 5%. When we were in the summertime, after the round of monies went out, it was at 30% or thereabouts. In a real recession, the savings rates don't go up because you're pulling the money out of your savings because you right. need to pay the bills and put food on the table. If it's going up, you know there's something yeah. wrong. That doesn't make any sense. This is buying votes, and you're playing on people's emotions to try to do yeah. this and justify doing it, and that's selfishness. And the winners that are getting and more someday, money. Someday, yeah. our kids or our grandchildren have to pay all this debt back. So so we can be selfish today and play games. We are now going to leverage our future for our grandchildren. To me, that's atrocious. Don't give all this money out saying it's the CARES Act to take care of coronavirus. This is let's redistribute wealth. Be honest about what you're going to say. If that's the way you believe and that's the way the majority of Americans are, then that's the way it is. We're in a yeah. democracy. Just don't lie about what you're doing, yeah. because that's what's going on now.
You, you, people look at this and say, oh, I need to help these people. And there are people that need help. Except you're not helping them 100%. You give them six months worth of help when they've had at least nine, if not longer, periods yeah. of, of hardship. And then people that don't need the help, oh, you give them all tons of money. And what are they doing with it per your PowerPoint? Yeah. They're saving. Yeah, it's well, not helping the economy. And look at when they yeah. say, when I want to target, who gets the money? Yeah. Do they target it as to who's hurt with COVID? No. They say, if you make more than $75,000, you don't need it. Well, honestly, really? What's that have to do with COVID? What's $75,000 have to do with COVID? And if the savings rates are going up, how is that? How can there be a recession right. across the board for everybody? You know, this is, this is, this is wrong. And, and a lot of it is a mentality that's being created in effect by the way we report news and the way we report what's going on. You know, people need to look at the whole fact pattern to draw conclusions. And there's too much manipulation uh, you know, of a piece of fact that supports your mindset versus looking at all the facts to draw conclusions. It's like looking at a tree that's dying and saying the forest is unhealthy when you haven't looked at the whole forest and it's growing like crazy. Negative and fear sells newspapers and sells subscriptions. So let's be negative and fearful. Honesty and integrity, that went out the door a long time ago. As we conclude our first episode of uh, Inside the Vault, I want to thank uh, Chuck Lai, President and CEO of Enterprise Bank, for his perspectives on uh, the current pandemic, its effect on small business, and the impacts that leadership decisions have made as well as um, the perspectives of Justin Severino, owner of Morcia Restaurant and Salty Pork Bits, uh, for his unique insight as a restaurant owner in the midst of a real shakeup in that industry due to the pandemic. We will continue on this topic with our next episode. Uh, please uh, take some time to subscribe to uh, our podcast on all of your popular podcasts and social media platforms. And again, any questions that you have or topics that you would like to see us cover in the future, uh, you can email us at insidethevault at enterprisebankpgh.com. And as always, thank you for being a friend of the bank, and we look forward to uh, more education uh, in the future through Inside the Vault. Thank you.